What's up, military millionaires? Today's episode is with Becca Shea of Seven Figure Flipping. Now, I got to first hear her speak on the stage at Flip Hacking Live about accountability and goals. And this episode is going to drastically help you improve your efficiency as well as understand some of the key things that go into a good mastermind group that'll help you stay accountable, stay on track with your goals, and even some little things that can save you time like, well, you know what? I'm not going to ruin that. So stay put till the end. This episode is awesome. Again, as always, show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do and will really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase. But I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave with the Military Millionaire Podcast. And I'm here with Becca Shea, who is a Navy veteran who works with Seven Figure Flipping. And I got to hear her speak at Flip Hacking Live on goals and accountability. And she was awesome. The whole event was awesome. And so I'm just really glad that I'm able to get her on the show. This time, uh, last time we recorded, <laughs> I am ashamed to say uh, I, for the first time ever, slept through a recording. Um, it was fun. So, uh, Becca, <laughs> thanks for being willing to uh, be flexible with me, and thanks for joining us today. Well, we, we can thank the craziness of COVID for you sleeping through it. It's not like it was a normal <laughs> time in your life. That's that's fair. So uh, why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about you, some some backstory that we're going to dig into some fun stuff today. Sure. So uh, I grew up on the youngest of four daughters um, from Pennsylvania. That's where I now live after my military gallivanting around. Um, and I decided to do Navy ROTC. I thought in high school, I was like, I want to be a pilot. I want to fly things. So I did Navy ROTC, uh, got a degree in mechanical engineering, got out, went to flight school. My eyesight disqualified me. It was sad. Um, but the interesting thing is like, I had set that dream 10 years previously to be a pilot. Um, and by the time I was actually at the point of becoming, you know, being at flight school, things had changed. And I realized that maybe that, that setback really wasn't as huge a setback and it allowed me to do some other things at that time. It was to serve my time and get out and start a family because, you know, at that time, I know that the policies have gotten a lot better, but at that time it was like 30 days, you can go back to sea after you have a baby. And I don't know how often they actually did that, but I was, that, that was not exciting to me. So <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was at a different place in my life. Right. Um, so I, I served on the George Washington aircraft carrier, um, was my last duty station and we did some really cool stuff there. I'll be forever grateful for that. And then I got out and actually went to put put to work that mechanical engineering degree that Uncle Sam paid for, thankfully. <laughs> I did energy efficiency work um, for the federal government, actually. It was a nice tie-in. So we would go to like VA hospitals and bases, and we would either build power plants or we would do like lighting or steam traps. Or, I mean, you know how bases are there. They were built forever and a day ago and have had no capital improvements. <laughs> so... The company I worked for would basically fund the capital improvements out of energy savings. It's kind of like my first foray into commercial construction stuff and these huge timelines and logistics. Um, you know, how do we do a $100 million project at eight different VA hospitals in six months? <laughs> or at least wow. plan it in six months. The construction would then take a year or so. The fastest moving government contractors 
ever. <laughs> yeah, we, we were fast. Um, so while I was doing that, I had my, my babies. And after I had my third daughter, uh, even though I loved my job, I had to go wherever the bases were. So I was traveling all the time. I mean, I, I was nine months, I tell the story, I was nine months pregnant or eight months pregnant and I traveled six weeks. <laughs> I was literally like, I probably shouldn't have been doing this. I now know, but I was climbing up ladders like onto the roof, me and my big belly. <laughs> and this is pretty typical for being a woman in a, in a male dominated world. Like at first the military and then engineering. I think they were afraid of me. Like the other male engineers were a little afraid to tell me, no, I couldn't do that thing. So I would just do it. And then I look back and I'm like, they should have told me no. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I did that. And then uh, I was traveling so much that I really wanted to, to spend some more time at home. So I, when I was on maternity leave, it was like, my husband, and I've always talked about flipping a house. Let's flip a house. And so that was a whole fun journey, um, which I can go into like how I did it. I ended up partnering up with someone who also had never done it before. And we kind of like helped, we buddy systemed up, right, to, to get through this experience. It was great. We bought it from a wholesaler. And uh, I did that first year. I rehabbed three houses. I quit my full-time job. Then I did six houses. Then I set a goal to do one house a month. And right about that time was when Bill Allen um, he was my roommate at flight school actually. And, um, he caught, we had gotten in touch. So, so my passion is accountability and logistics. And, um, we had gotten in touch as I set this goal to do one house a month. Somehow he and I could reconnected. I think I talked about it flip hacking live. It was a Facebook, a random Facebook post that he responded yeah. to. Um, and he said, I'm thinking about rehabbing houses. So he joined this group, seven figure flipping, called me from the first meeting and was like, you know me, I don't BS, you should be in this room. Like, it's the place to be. And I was like, no. <laughs> it's a lot of money to join a mastermind. It was $25,000 yeah. at the time. I was like, absolutely not. And he's like, look, if you do one more deal, I was averaging around 20K uh, net profit on my rehab. It's like, if you do one more deal, then, then it's a wash. And if you do two more deals, then you made money on your membership. I'm like, uh, all right. Plus, it was Bill. So like he is no BS. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan for sure. Yeah. So, um, so I joined that group and I didn't realize it cause it's called seven figure flipping. But when I joined it, it was actually mostly wholesalers and I didn't really have any experience aside from buying a couple deals from wholesalers. I didn't really know that world. I didn't know how it worked. Um, and there were definitely some, some rehabbers in there as well. So I got this kind of back end exposure to wholesalers and I think up until that point, I had this um, kind of negative opinion of wholesalers, like they're kind of slimy, sleaze bags, and salesy, like salesmen, right? No good deals. Um, but then I got to meet um, Andy McFarland, who has got to be the nicest, sweetest, most ethical person in the world. And, um, and I, he showed me how his business ran and how he approached sales, which is very much like it has to be a win-win for all parties. Like the seller has to benefit, your end buyer investor has to benefit, and in the middle, we hope that they both see value and we get paid. So I saw that, they all opened up their systems and I thought I could do this, so I, I started wholesaling. And over the past couple of years, I've rehabbed about 60 houses, I've wholesaled around 120 deals, I've had a team of seven or eight people, I've had no people, <laughs> you know. I, had, I started a construction company, um, and then as typical of the entrepreneurial journey somewhere around early last year, I was spread way too thin trying to do all the things. And I kind of stepped back and said, all right, you've done all the things now. Um, and I have rentals, I've done rehabbing, I've done wholesaling. I stumbled into doing marketing analytics for some other investors who tend to be much more on the, the sales side of thing, right? They're really good at making the deals happen, have no idea what's happening with the dollars they're spending. So I started doing work for them and, um, and, and it came out and they were like, you do this thing, it's really good. It's a need that's not being filled. Why don't you just do marketing consulting for other investors? You hate the sales piece of wholesaling. I hate, I hate the sales piece. Um, and so I, I decided I like was gonna throw all my eggs in that basket and then just keep rehabbing a, a couple houses on the side. And um, Bill, at the, right around the same time, um, the, the guy who started seven figure flipping Justin Williams approached him and said, I'm looking to do something else. Would you want to take over the mastermind? So 
kind of around this same transition point, Bill was like, whoa, I'm, I'm taking over this group. We started it together back, you know, in 2016. We've been on this journey together. I, I would like you to come aboard full time. Like if you're going to do something else, this is the something else. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a ton, but <laughs> no, no, this is, this is exciting. Um, but so, so the reason why Bill asked me to come aboard is that probably about, and this is what I talked about flip hacking live around three years previously, I had read this book called the 12 week year. I heard about it on the Brian Buffini podcast. Both of those resources, I recommend your listeners check out. Um, and this book kind of changed my life a little bit. No, first a lot, actually. It changed the way that I viewed goals, goal setting and accomplishing things from this kind of one year, like over the next year, I'm going to flip 12 houses because what happens when you view things in like the 12 month spectrum, you wait till like month nine <laughs> to realize, crap, I got to do a bunch of stuff. So if you break things, there's something about the human psyche that really works well in this 90 day, three month window. And there's a bunch of different um, accountability and goal setting strategies based around that timeframe. But 12 week year was the one I read. And it was basically like, okay, if you want to flip 12 houses in a year, that, that means you got to flip three houses this in the next three months. So let's just focus on that. What does that mean? What are the actions surrounding? Just, just forget about 12 houses in a year. Just focus on getting three done as fast as you can. So I, so I started running in 2017, I want to say, maybe end of 2016. I started, I basically read this book and I said, this is awesome. And one of the key components is having this weekly accountability meeting where it's just you and a couple other people. And I, I might say to you, hey, Dave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, if my goal is to flip three houses, I got to buy three houses. So I'm committing to making 10 offers every week on houses. And I would meet with you every Monday morning. 20 minutes and you just say, Becca, how many offers did you make for 12 weeks? That's it. That's the only thing we talk is my actions and how much I completed them. So I started doing this in like 2017 and bringing in groups. And then, you know, it grew from like three people to 12 people to 25 people, somewhere around 30 people. We realized that's too many to have a weekly meeting. So then we started breaking up into small groups. Um, and when, when I came aboard with seven figure flipping, Bill was like, that's it. I just want you to do that. I want you to help investors focus on the next 12 weeks, break it down, get them into a small group and figure out what the right actions are to move the needle and just do that. So that's what I do. Yeah. Which is awesome. So I have read the 12 week year and although I read it audio audiobook, so I didn't, mm -hmm. I probably didn't absorb as much of it as I could have, but I I've been doing 90 day goals, uh, it's just easier um, to keep for, for one, it's easier, but for two, it actually challenges you because you're exactly right. If I said I was going to write a book by the end of this year, well, I don't feel like writing today. So I've got a whole year to do it, <laughs> but you know, <clears throat> but if I say I'm going to write a book by June 1st, I don't feel like writing today, but I don't, I got to write. You don't today. have a choice. Yeah. And so I've always, well, not always, but I've been a fan of that concept for sure. And now uh, imagine every Monday you had somebody saying, David, you said you were going to write five days last week. Did you? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that I have a specific, I, I am in a mastermind group and it's, it's wonderful. Um, I don't know if I specifically do the, do it like that. So I'm probably just going to add that in, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it. it's yeah but it's, it's accountability is huge. So you transitioned into helping people out with goals and accountability. What are some of the things that you think go into that? Like what, uh, what would be some advice you would give if someone was thinking they were going to start a call? Like what would that look like if they were just like, Oh, it's a great idea. I'm going to start a call today. I, I think like so many things, um, the preparation is key. Like people, you win or lose that 12 weeks, uh, before you even start by, if you don't set a very clear, you know, we talk about smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant time bound. The 12 weeks is the time bound. But um, a lot of times I'll see people set a goal like, I want to increase my marketing. And you don't know if, how do you know if you've succeeded or not? Like, what does that look like? It has to have a number on it. And, and increasing marketing should really, what you want is like the outcome of increasing marketing, right? So that should really look something like, if I'm getting two appointments a week right now off my marketing, I want to get five appointments a week for the next 12 weeks. So that's 60 appointments, right? That's your goal get 60 appointments in 12 weeks. 
So right there, that's my advice is like, if your goal doesn't have a number in it, it's, it's not clear enough. Because yeah. how do you know if you did it or not when you get to the end of 12 weeks? Um, and then in the actions, really digging into, <laughs> this is what people don't like, is that the grunt work is really what produces most of the results. And people want just the quick solution, the quick fix. Like, I want to get 60 appointments, so I'm going to send, I don't know what the number of mail pieces is, 60,000 mail pieces, right? Today. But that's really the most beneficial thing would be to send 10,000 a week or 5,000 a week every week. That, and that's just the first piece to getting an appointment. Then the second, you know, the first piece is like, make sure your marketing goes down consistently every week. The second piece would be answer your phone <laughs> live, like 80% of the time. And then the third piece might be five minute follow-ups to every missed phone call or 10 minutes. I mean, if you're working a job, that might not be realistic, right? But, but definitely responding to um, the calls as soon as possible, whatever that is in your world. And then maybe it's um, make an offer on every appointment. <laughs> the number of people who go on appointments and are like, I'll get back to you. You're like, well, I went on five appointments, but I didn't get any contracts. So if you just did those consistent actions over and over and over and over, you'd probably get to your goal. It's funny you say that because the phone call piece, like having been a recruiter, uh, the asking for commitment and the returning phone call or answering the phone when it rings are like, it's one thing to have to like cold call. And if someone, but I remember like when I first started and I was terrible at recruiting, it was like, I'd be on the phone and in my head, I'm like, please don't answer. Please don't answer. Yeah. Oh, voicemail. Oh no. Oh, well, please don't. Like, like, cause yeah. I just, you just get sick of like the rejection piece or, or it's awkward or, or the what ifs or, um, but I like that you, 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 we didn't necessarily touch on it, but you focus on lead measures in that. And mm -hmm. a lot of people they get, like you mentioned, you know, Hey, I want to lose weight. Oh, well, great. You know, but if you want to lose 10 pounds, like what are you going to do? Cause you could say you want to lose 10 pounds all day, but like the goal should be what actions will you take to make that happen? Like that's the right. That it, actually it's like losing 10 works. pounds is the lag indicator. Exactly. It comes as a result. What are the leading actions? Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. So that, I mean, it's something I'm super passionate about. And I, I think that's honestly the nicest reason to have an accountability partner is to have someone sit down and really ask you that question. Is it measurable? Will you know at the end of this session that you achieved it or not like concretely? And then what's the most impactful? Cause you're only supposed to pick three to five actions every week. So there are lots of things you could do um, to get appointments, but pick the three most impactful. And it might be different for everybody. Like one of the guys in our group, Yuri, he's, he's awesome. He set a goal to do driving for dollars. He wanted to launch a successful driving for dollars marketing campaign. And so he committed to, I wish I could remember off the top of my head, but it was something like four hours a week of driving, um, sending letters to everyone on his driving for dollar list, and then probably answering the phone live or something like that. It was, it was simple, but I got to tell you within week one or week two, he's like, Oh, I had my accountability meeting today. So yesterday I had to go out like five hours right before it and go do my driving. Right. It just, it helped him stay consistent. And he's gotten like, I think he just got his fourth contract off of it. Now that was his goal back in from October to January. So from yeah. Clipbacking live to January, he did a driving for dollars, small group accountability. Now we're in April, May, we're in May. Yeah. <laughs> and he's gotten four contracts off of it. And that was a $0 marketing channel. So yeah, that's a huge ROI. And yeah, I mean, even at a low end, like 5,000 on a, on a deal, which is, I know plenty of, depending on your market, that's super yeah. low, but I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's nonetheless, that's, I mean, in my, in the market that I invested, that's half a median salary off yeah. around for, you know, a few hours, hours a week <laughs> for 12 weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe an hour of follow-up sending letters and answering calls and stuff. But, um, I just, I just can't like stress enough the power of consistent action, which is, we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but like, that's the thing that entrepreneurs struggle with consistent execution. We have all the ideas and we really want to get to the point of hiring somebody to execute all the ideas, but that's not where we start. <laughs> yeah. We got to start by being consistent executors. And I, 
I had this epiphany last week because I'm that's something I'm really focusing on right now is consistent execution, automations, you know, streamlining stuff. And I, I was like, man, I guess there's no secret to consistent execution. The only secret is to consistently execute. <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> 1% better every day, right? And the, the worst part about that, and it's almost like a mindset shift in a way that like I will at the end of the day, if I didn't accomplish everything on my little checklist, I will like talk myself out of, like, I'll feel like it was a wash. I'll get, I'll get in bed or whatever. And I'm like doing my journal at the end of the day. I'm like, son of a gun, I forgot to do that and that. Oh, today was such a huge failure. I'm so unproductive. And then I'm like looking at it and I'm like, oh wait, oh. I had like seven and a half hours of stuff that I did do. Yeah. Okay. You know, but it's, it's like, there's this like bug in the back of my head now. That's just like, Hey, you're, you're messing this up. You're not doing enough. Do more. I think that's also the, the mindset too, is that we feel like, um, I think entrepreneurs in general feel called to do more and bigger things. And we're very, we're probably the harshest critics of ourselves. And so that, that comes down to the, if I didn't accomplish it, I'm a failure. And look, you're not going to get out of this game without some failures. And the bigger your vision is, the bigger your failures are going to be. So start working on that mindset now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. So we mentioned something before the, uh, before the call about uh, what service members have a little bit of an edge. Yeah. With all this, could you elaborate on that concept a little bit? Yeah. Back, back to the consistent execution thing. Um, The accountability groups are great in seven figure flipping. We, we do have, I don't know, I mean, maybe like 15, 20% of our membership is former military, but most of them aren't. Uh, and I feel like they, they need the accountability groups because it is the thing that gets them to do it. But the cool thing about military members is we have a, a long history of doing what we don't want to do because it needs to be done. Whether or not we feel like it, like this is just what has to be done. This is, this is the SOP. This is how it gets accomplished. Just put your big boy pants on, make it happen. So I, I have noticed that military, like I'm pretty sure Yuri, that guy I mentioned driving for dollars, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he's former military. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, hey, this is, this is what I said I was going to do. I'm going to do it. Uh, like Bill, we've done, he and I have done accountability groups, but for the most part, he just puts his mind to something. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to knock it out. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's a, I don't even know if it's an edge. Like I, I, I've often wondered that, like, what is, what, like, are these people who are self-starters and they, that's how they made it through recruit training or is it mm-hmm. like years of being told, Hey, the hike starts at five, but you need to be at the armory at two thirty. Why? Well, because <laughs> of this guy doing this thing, doing this thing, doing this thing, just, just be there. And you're like, okay, like, all right. And then like, I wonder if that somehow. Yes. Like, I, Chicken or know, the egg, right? Are are self-starters drawn to the military, therefore they're good at getting stuff done regardless of the circumstances, or does it train it into you? Maybe it's a little bit of both. You know what I think the military does really well, though, is shows you, because you get locked into a contract and an MOS, that I think that it shows you how to become an expert at something. And it's not secret sauce. It's usually getting good training and then consistently implementing that training over and over and over. I mean, you look at the guys who've been in 20 years and like, they can just, they do their job cold in their sleep. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, what is it? The 10,000 hour rule, Malcolm yeah. Gladwell, but if people are like in the day, in this day and age, people like to bounce around a lot. So maybe, maybe it is just the fact that like, Hey, look, you're stuck here, get good at it. Like, and the ability to turn that into, I don't know, relentless learning maybe would be a good way to put that in. You know, it really depends. A lot of people harness that power into like, how much alcohol can I put away this weekend? But um, (laughs) hopefully. I've been that person once or twice. Not in a long time though. That's a prereq for joining the military. but uh, (laughs) Not maybe not joining, but anyway. um, Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's all awesome. Accountability is huge. I'm a huge fan of uh, mastermind groups. I'm a huge fan of just, even like the accountability piece is great. But I think what's powerful about it is like, if I'm trying to find a way to word this, that doesn't sound like I'm a jerk, but if, Go for it. <laughs> if like my mom or my, you know, some, somebody who like felt obligated to tell me like, Hey, you should do that. It wouldn't matter to me. Or if like a friend of mine that I was just like 
some dude I grew up with in high school. He doesn't know the first thing about real estate was like, Hey, did you drive your car today? Like, dude, go away. But like the fact that you're with people who are like doing the same thing and it's almost like a, I look up to them, but at the same time, we're kind of on a level playing field, but like, it's like the competition thing, I think adds to the accountability because you're like, well, I can't let Joe beat me because he stuck to his goals and I didn't. And so I think that's the, like another part of the the secret sauce to masterminds is that it's just the people you're around because yes, the accountability is huge. Yes. The goals are huge, but it's also like, who's holding you accountable to that? I think. Right. If you respect people, you know, you, it's going to hurt a lot more to get in front of them. And I see this happen because we record. So let's say in that one example I gave, like make 10 offers a week. If I show up and I say I made six offers, I'm at 60% that week. And in 12 week year, they talk about if you're getting like 80, 85% on average of your actions, you're likely to accomplish your goal. But if I have to show up and keep saying I'm at 50%, I'm at 60%. And meanwhile, you know, Joseph's over there and he's like, I'm at 95. <laughs> Like, I'm like, no way. Next week, I'm going to be at 100. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the real power, right? You guys, everybody feeds off each other. They hold each other accountable. And then also having people who aren't afraid to hold you accountable. Uh, that's, you know, sometimes, sometimes people are like, oh, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. No, it's, okay. it's not. 20 donuts this week. Uh, you'll, you'll lose that weight eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that seems to be the way that my office shows their affection. We have no windows. <laughs> we don't ever go outside. But somehow donut day is like at least twice a week. Because people are like, oh, I want to show the office. You I should make fruit them. salad day a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I make, I make like move the donuts out of sight a thing. And then people get mad that I moved them to another table. I'm like... You, oh. Okay, you could just do this. You can have a donut, but you have to do 10 push-ups. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pay to play here, buddy. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire. Now, why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. I listen to Audible every single day on my commute to and from work. Now, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash militarymillionaire. So you mentioned something about your um, to-do list. Personally, right now, one of the things that we noticed while we, I noticed while going through all these accountability sessions with you know, probably by this point, we've put like, we've gone through like 300, 400 people, you know, sessions, um, that goal setting and the action setting was really hard. So we sat down a couple of sessions ago and we said, what are the main goals that the real estate investors in our group are going after? And, and you can scale it, but number of, usually it's like number of contracts, number of appointments, um, time to complete contracts. Like if you want to get better at project management or wrapping your head around cash flow, but by and large, what I see, especially for the more experienced investors, um, we created this productivity session. And, and that's for the people who like have 20 things, they've got a couple employees, they've got all these new ideas they're trying out. And they're just, you know, like you at the end of the day, just feeling like I didn't get my stuff done. So that actually is the session that I embarked on. And we're in the second week now. And it has been like, huge for me. Um, aside from the accountability piece and like having someone check in to make sure I did the actions, the actions themselves, it's, it's like you said, it's your to-do list, brain dump everything, get it all out of your brain onto a piece of paper once a week. Immediately this weight is going to lift off your shoulders because you don't have to worry about forgetting something. Um, and then writing out your schedule for the week. A common thing that I see happen is, well, I have a meeting from 10 to 11, so we can meet at 11, you know? And then you don't give yourself any downtime. There's no gaps. You don't think about the drive time if you have to drive or even just the recoup time and the prep time. So like write everything in your schedule and and make sure you see it, that there's just something about what they say when you write things down, you're seven times more likely to accomplish it. Um, But for me, I I normally do those two things, the brain dump and and the scheduling, but the two actions that have added in that have been just huge have been win the days. So I, I actually stole this from, I can't remember, I think it might be Andy Frisella. I saw him speak at 10X and um, he talked about every day he has his top three things that he has to accomplish to win the day. If he gets those done, it's a success. 
if you get, you know, everything else on top of that's gravy, but those three things have to get done. Um, and then the second thing is time blocks. So picking two slots, one or two slots every week that you're going to work on your business, not in your business. I have to do my time blocks first thing in the morning or else stuff impedes on it. You know, I get caught up on a call or I feel like I have to get my win the day done. So I move my time block. So like this morning from six to eight, I worked on the thing that I'm working on right now is our 12 month membership experience, right? From the day you enter till the end of the 12 months, what happens? Where do you, you know, what do we give you? Where should you be engaged? What do we need from you? And it was like a hundred different tasks. I'm never going to set aside time to sit down. Normally we use Asana for task processing. So it was like, it was the thing that has been on my mind for three months. And I finally this morning time blocked it and was like, this is important. It's, it doesn't move the needle in the day to day. It's not my actual win the day. Cause this, this project's going to take me a month or two to roll out, but I'm committing the two hours right here to do it. So those two things, the win the days and the time blocks, huge. I, I absolutely agree on time blocking. And I think I've subconsciously been doing the win the day kind it of. It sounded like it from um, your... Because I, def- I definitely write out my schedule. I definitely write out my most important, you know, next steps or whatever. Uh, but it's often not like these are the three most important. It's like a list. And then I'm like, check, check. And I try to do like most to least and I'll, you know, whatever. I think I'm maybe more intentional about like these are the top three. Like today it would be uh, sending out letters for the list I just purchased, um, cycling, and I'm starting uh, podcast editing. I'm partnering with my editor, so I need to get the site, the website set up. So, because I so if you just did those three things and nothing else, would you feel like today was productive? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's good because I have three other things on the list, (laughs) you know, or four, or I don't know. So yeah, that's that's good to know, actually. And a lot of those things are like little things too that shouldn't matter. You know, like one of them is, you know, send check to closing company or title company. Okay. Send like, gift to moms because Mother's Day is Sunday. <laughs> Thankfully, my wife already took care of that. <laughs> she remembers things like that. She sent, she sent me the other day. She's like, oh, yeah, you know, I already sent your brother a birthday gift. I'm like, oh, yeah. That is a good woman right there. Oh, yeah, that's coming up. My poor husband. Thanks. I'm like, she's your mom. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's... I love her I mean I will always make sure she gets a gift but I'm trying to train my husband <laughs> to be you know, intentional about these things it's not working just no, so you good, know. Good we've been luck. together 20 years yeah, not working it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it yeah time blocking is huge and you know you said you hit on the what you time block today and that is something that I had to it took a lot for me to finally realize like you specifically said that what you did today isn't going to move the needle today but it will save you time. I can't remember. There's a phrase for this and I can't remember what it is, but like the concept that if you take five hours today to do something, that's going to save you one hour every month or one hour, hour every week, then it's hundred percent worth it. Even if in your head, you're like, Oh yeah, well I could just spend one hour doing that today instead of doing the five hours. Like people think, Oh, I don't want to spend five hours changing all this when I could just do it in one hour this week. But if you think about it as far as like, doing the five hour thing replaces that one hour for every week in the future. For example, just setting up a checklist and handing it to a virtual assistant or, or something like that. You know, it, it, I can't, I can't remember what the phrase was that I heard used for that specific concept of like regaining your time, but it's not an easy thing to like objectively say your head around. Yeah. But man, it's a game changer. The moment you can outsource something for, for example, it took me, uh, probably four hours to find a podcast editor mm-hmm. and it has saved me at least one hour. Wait, how long did you episode. to edit one of these podcasts yourself? With, with Including the video and everything else, at least an hour. Yeah. And so now that, you know, that's, I do one or two episodes a week. So uh, that four hours hiring someone or finding someone that I, I'm now actually partnering up with to potential anyway, but like that's saved me at least 50 hours now. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, and that's, that's kind of how I view it, you know, back to the, we do the 12 week year and that's about three months um, in seven figure flipping. And a lot of the businesses run on traction and the EOS um, sim, uh, system, which is rocks, 90 day rocks. So I'm, I'm 
simultaneously doing this productivity accountability session, which is just to help me be the best I can be right now. But this membership experience thing is one of my rocks for 90 days. And I I am looking at it and I'm like, oh, this is going to feel so amazing when it's implemented because right now I'm like, did they get that thing? Did we do that? This person didn't get what that person got. And that makes me sad. And from a business perspective, um, I implemented this in my wholesaling business, right? We set up a checklist with a lot of touch points and we created a bunch of videos for different points in the, in the process that was like, when they first signed the contract with us, I made a video and I was like, thank you so much for trusting us with your property. I just want to give you a quick overview of how this process is going to work. We're going to send it to the title company. We're going to send escrow. Um, we're going to set up one or two times to do showings through your property and bring our partners through. Um, but we're going to close on this date, like kind of what to expect. And then like the day before their um, open house, they would get another email with a little video, like just a reminder, here's what's going on. And here are the next steps going through to closing. And you can create those videos one time and then set up the emails. I mean, the transaction coordinator would be the one to send them. But now that I'm learning active campaign, you could actually set it up so that you just put in the dates, you go into active campaign, you just schedule it per seller. And then for the next 30 days from here to closing, they get these automated check-ins that feel very personal. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, I need to do better with the email thing, but like you can set stuff up to where the moment you add an email, it's every three days, every week, every, you can do individually. Like this email goes after six days after that email, the next one comes two days later and it's incredible. And I don't use it nearly as good as I should. If I was a real estate agent, especially, and I had a, normally it was a 30 day close, I would immediately set up like, bam, here's everything you need for that 30 day process. Now I don't have to worry about those emails. I'll just give updates via text. And yeah. Oh, and by the way, think of how many times that saves the seller from calling you and being like, what's happening? Are we closing? Where are we going? And then you spend two hours on the phone with them or you're like chasing them around that automation ends up like making them feel better and it gives you your time back. You want to know what my, my current time hack is? I would love to. Video text messages in lieu of phone calls because you, you want to do a phone call, right? Because you want a very personal connection and text messages are not, you lose something in that. But number one, when you call somebody on the phone, they may not be available. So then you go to their voicemail. Nobody listens to voicemail. (laughs) Then they call you back and the timing isn't, uh, good. So I've started doing just recording video text messages. I can convey all the emotion and the feeling, really get the message across that I want. It's very personal because I am, you know, Hey David, just excited about our podcast tomorrow. I want to make sure I didn't forget anything that I'm supposed to do ahead of time. Let me know. We, we have a personal connection. They've seen my face. And if they want to jump on a call, then I usually, that's how I ended. I say, if you want to jump on a call or an email chat, let, hit me back. However, but what I find is a lot of people they got what they needed from me and they're just like, okay, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. Hack. I've been using the, like the audio, yeah. uh, you know, stuff, but I, I hadn't thought about just doing a quick video. That's, it would, it would convey better and it makes sense. And honestly, I would probably prefer that from a viewer standpoint. Cause a lot of times when I get the audio ones, I'm like, uh, okay, I'll listen to that later. Like, yeah, you know, cause if I'm just looking, I would rather just read, but if yeah. the audio, I never know what I'm going to get, but if it was a video, I'd be like, Oh, what's this? And then, yeah. and cool. you know, it helps if you're like, I'm a relational person, so I can convey a lot with my face and my tone you know, expression. So that's yeah. listeners. I hope you appreciated that. Just gave you some time back. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's awesome. Cause I think, I mean, you're right. The phone call thing is, it's so hit or miss. And, and like I, I yesterday I had a phone call from, I probably don't, I probably shouldn't say a name because they might listen to this, but uh, you know, or even a relation, but from somebody I know who I really enjoy talking to, I get along with this person, they're smart, you know, whatever. But every time they call, it's a longer conversation that I need to have because it's just like one question leads to the next question leads to the next question, which is fine. I find myself thinking like, do you watch my YouTube channel? It's all on there, but that's, you know, neither here nor there, but. Oh man, uh, can we just side rail for one second? Absolutely. <laughs> on, onto that topic, because um, in being in the mastermind education space right now, um, this is a thing you run up against a lot, right? When you've put out the information before and people don't take the time to go 
search it, which I've been guilty of that too. Yeah. What is the appropriate, nicest way to get people to find it on their own? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oftentimes, if it's like something, it, like if it's a VA loan question, I have an article that's like 4,500 words that talks about everything. And I'll just shoot the link and just say, hey, I'd love to answer but this probably does a much better job and will answer all of your follow-on questions. You know, almost having like to, a quick, a quick reference guide, like a fact guide. You have it. The problem so like, is, I have this yeah, podcast, yeah, this exactly. Article. I like that. The problem is that for like a YouTube video, it's like, I would have to go in and search for it myself to copy the link. And then it's like, so it, what it depends on my relationship though, with the person, because like I'll get questions sometimes. And one of my buddies might actually, he listens to this. He might pick this up because he's done it to me too, but I did it to him the other day. Uh, he'll ask me a question and I will respond with, hang on, I'm going to go Google it. And then they feel like, oh man. And it's like, you know, and, but I, I do that to people all the time. If it's like a good friend that I know can, can take it. Cause it's kind of a jerk answer, but it's like, mm -hmm. don't worry, I'll go find you the answer. Um, but yeah, if you have to do the same thing there, you could do, I don't think a, a lot of people, I don't think people realize like as a content producer that. A lot of times the reason I decide to make a video is because I got that question. So in January, I got asked five times in one week whether or not someone should refinance their house. So I made a video about how, when, why you should refinance your house. And now when people ask me, I'm like, here you go, here you go, here you go. Cause it goes into way more detail than I would want to have. But anyway, all yeah. back, back on the normal non-rabbit trail. I guess it's oh, really, sorry. it's how you, just how you phrase it, right? Like saying, that is a great question. I think this is the perfect resource for you. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. But so the guy called the other day and I just remember thinking like, I don't want to answer this right now. I want to do something else, but <laughs> uh, maybe it's important. And it was, it ended up being a good call and it was important and it was somewhat short. So I've been trying to figure out the best way to, have you read, um, pitch anything. They talk about frame control. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to get much better at answering the phone and just being like, Hey man, uh, just letting you know, I only have about five minutes. What's up? And just yes. like setting the right off the yeah, bat. Set that I'm, frame. I did it yesterday. I had a 30 minute phone call that went 45 minutes because I enjoyed talking to the guy and it was great. But then I got done and I'm all of a sudden I'm behind. So yeah. Well, I'm so impatient that I, I'm really bad at phone calls. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. like, uh -huh, and what do you mean? And okay, good. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, your family. How's your family? <laughs> I do. I do that too. I, <laughs> I, so I work, I told you the 24 hour thing. So we have a 24 hour clerk at work because we're always tracking movements and stuff. And I have my phone phone on at night. If there's flights coming in and something changes, they got to call me. They're, one of the Marines, I give him a hard time all the time, but he calls. It's like two in the morning. He wakes me up and he'll be like, Hey, staff sergeant, it's so-and-so. I'm like, what's up? Oh, I'm sorry for calling you. What's up? And it's like this long, and I finally sat him down last week. I was like, look, I don't want to be woken up at the two in the morning. You don't want to wake me up at the two in the morning. This is how the phone call goes. Staff's arm. This happened. What do you want me to do? That's it. No sorries. No, <laughs> I don't care about anything. The faster we get off the phone call and I go back to bed, the less angry I will be for you calling me. And I think that that's kind of a military thing. Like just yeah. hey, to the point and we're done. Like I love talking to you, but if it's a short ask, like, just get it done, especially two in the morning. Yeah. So uh, sorry for derailing us, but you know, just, I think to, to wrap up with the listeners, the, the biggest thing that I have noticed, because now I have done this like hundreds of times with people is if you want to accomplish something, you need to be crystal clear about what the path looks like from here to there. And I talked about this at, at Flip Hacking Live. I gave my div paga, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> Can have a dream and that's financial independence through real estate but then you need to have a vision and that might be set up a wholesaling company that does 100 deals a year with a net profit of 20 percent right like that's a vision it's very clear it's like i want to own a house someday is a dream a vision is a yellow two-story house in this town with four beds and two baths that's a vision you can sink your teeth mm. into that and then you have to have the plans the goals and the action so the plan is like if that's my if financial freedom is my 10 year goal, what do I have to do in this one year to get there? And that might be like just to back out that wholesaling one. If you've never wholesaled a deal to get from here to a machine that is a hundred deals a year, you got to learn how to wholesale. So 
like your, your plan for one year might be wholesale five deals. And then your goal in the next three months is probably just to get a contract on a property. So then you break it down into the actions. All right, I'm just laser focused to get from here to a hundred deals a year. The first step on that path is getting a contract. Mm. What do I have to do every week, every day in order to get a contract? And that's talk to sellers and make offers. Yeah. So you, the only way to get from here to there, like dreams are nothing without execution. <laughs> so Agreed. you gotta, you gotta know what that path looks like. And some people will be like, they'll have a path from here to there or straight path. And then they get distracted by a shiny object and they realize that their financial independence looked like a company that does wholesaling a hundred deals a year. And then they see somebody else buying multifamily rentals and they think, Oh, I want to buy a multifamily. I haven't gotten a contract yet, but let's see what a multifamily looks like. And then <laughs> on the way to get to their multifamily, they see a rehab, one of their rehabbing friends put a house on the market and they're like, well, actually rehabbing super cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely a difference between pivoting and between shiny objects. <laughs> yeah. And I've been guilty of both, which you know, I've definitely justified the shiny object syndrome by being a guy who talks real estate. So I should just try all the strategies just to make sure that I've done something with them. Which I can talk intelligently on them. Part of part of that has been legit, but my main bread and butter will probably always be small buy and hold properties that I just hold on to forever. And I just need to remember like, Hey, just, just do that. It's easy. Right. And I think if you set a goal, like do you have a goal of how many doors you want to add a year this year? Yeah. For this year. uh, Well, actually for this year, my goal is I I have a huge lawsuit that I'm in trying to get my money back out of a deal. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is just to close that court dates in July and then roll that capital back into. Yeah. So, um, I didn't necessarily set a goal for doors this year so much as more just to focus on growing the brand. Yeah. So, but if you were, you know, like if you were an entrepreneur and you decided rentals are going to be your thing, just single, picking up a single family, like I actually just talked to someone last week and their goal is to add 16 doors this year. And, and they just bought two duplexes. So they added four um, in April and they're on track for it. So like if, if their goal is to buy 16 rental houses this year and they're at like 10 and something else interesting comes up, so long as they've got a plan to get the last six, like their goal, their, their plan is on track. It's okay yeah. to dabble somewhere else, Absolutely. but just don't let it derail your plan. I agree. Also, I think the rabbit trail we went off earlier about texts and everything, I think that was actually pretty valuable because nobody talks about that, but those are like very actionable ways to save five minutes every day forever so and, and still achieve the end result which is a personal connection with them you yeah. know with them so um, i don't know who told me that oh well, you know what I, I read the book never lose a customer again which is a mm. great book if you're in any sort of service um, industry um, and it just talks about the whole experience that your clients have with you and he talks about that like sending personalized videos to people um even if you're going to send it in an email, like one of the things he says, is like put their name on a piece of paper and hold it up, you know? So it's like, so they see you like David. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then that way they're much more likely to lit watch your video. They realize it's not mass produced. It's definitely for them. I have a friend who does that extremely well. And that's what the sign is from. He was on the podcast and I was ha! showing him what he always does to me and how I appreciate it. So, <laughs> reinforcing um, that lesson then excellent absolutely yeah all right so if an e1 e2 was to walk up to you asking you for life advice just getting started in real estate or life or whatever what would be like the one thing that you would have to tell them it used to be take action just take an action because so many people sit in the wings and wait but i now have revised that before you take action i would reflect on what your superpower is like, what's the thing that you are very good at that brings you joy that like you'll do that thing instead of doing something else? For some people, it's sales, right? Like the art of the deal, the thrill of the kill. They love negotiating. And so then I say, well, then probably you want to go into like some sort of sales arena, right? If you love logistics and project management, like if that's the thing that brings you joy, breaking things down and then putting them back together, that's, you know, kind of figure out what your superpower is. And then find the thing that aligns with that. Because when you're energized about something, you can endure 
so much more. Like that. I think that's very true. Uh, if you're, what you're doing lines up with who you are, it works out very well. All right. What is one resource, book, course, website, whatever, that you would recommend to anyone looking to get started in real estate? I'm so bad at giving one answer. Obviously, I have to say seven-figure flipping because it changed my life. Um, I, we, we just released a video vault series for people just looking to get started um, that has online courses if you're not ready to commit to a mastermind. But I'm a people person, so being around people and committing to people has changed my life. Um, and then Brian Buffini's podcast. Um, it's for real estate agents, but the whole mindset thing that he does is – pivotal every week when his podcast comes out it's like the the refresh that i needed awesome i, I i'm gonna go check that podcast out today while i'm cycling because that's one Reed, of the three things i have to do my my two favorite ones of his are the run rest cycle and um a, a one on gratitude that he did and where can people get a hold of you becca at sevenfigureflipping.com B-E-K-A at sevenfigureflipping.com. Um, and I also run a marketing consulting, but it's, it's kind of boutique. I really only do it for, <laughs> for, for people spending like $15,000 plus a month on their wholesaling marketing. I, I have a company called Market Shark, marketshark.net. I'm going to look at that. I'm not spending that much money, but that's, <laughs> that's cool anyway. Um, yeah. Sure I just, my, my, uh, my excitement is we had a client last year who we, improved his ROI um, by like, I don't know, it was like 70 cents. It ended up adding $140,000 to his bottom line. So, whoa, yeah, you can. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're sending a lot, that adds up yeah. real quick. Yeah. If you're, if you're making like $3 for every dollar spent and you can bump that to, I think he bumped it to like 370. I was like, just think about that based on how much money you made, how much more money you kept in your pocket by getting efficient. So. Yeah. Yeah, I focusing on expenses and lowering bottom line is is huge and just ROI and little metrics that I should be much better at. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's not your superpower. Stick with your superpower and find somebody else who has a complimentary superpower. Yep. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, Becca, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was great. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.